0: Violence per se has never been my bag, except personally. But in pictures it has, and I would like to uh, try to at least portray it on the screen as it is. Uh, I've failed, and I've succeeded. And, um, but all those pictures you talk about basically are morality plays. I've broken a lot of fences, and noses. I just do the best kind of a job I know how. uh, But there are certain people who are
1: filmmakers, and there are certain people who are not, that's all. Welcome,
2: welcome, welcome to your favorite show, and I know what you're thinking, listener. You throw on an episode of The Good the Upon the Ugly, your favorite podcast. Maybe you're going for a jog. Maybe you're going for a drive. Just don't drive with headphones in or bike with headphones in. I think that's against the law. Um, I know what you're thinking. We, Manchurian Candidate, didn't we already cover this movie? Well, guess what? what? You'd be surprised because there's actually two of them. They made a sequel. <laughs> I'm Jack. I'm your host. <laughs>
3: I'm Ken, another host. I'm Thomas, and we are joined for uh, all these streaks of fire this year. This year, this season, with
1: uh, by Andy. Yes, Andy. I, Andy, I Andy, Andy Coral,
0: talking lady.
1: Andy Fawcett Coral. That's your trigger.
0: Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yes, I will kill Ken now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So welcome to season eight, uh, Streeps of fire. Uh, I think this is what I tried saying it earlier. Let's see if I can do it actually on mic. One Manchurian candidate.
3: Yes. Woo. Very good. Good job. All it. right.
1: Thanks. All that practice
3: paid off. Podcast over. <laughs>
1: I wanted to call it streeping through the quad because there would probably be four of us on a lot of these episodes. <laughs> so uh, we are
3: jazz Jack said we're watching the Manchurian candidate from 2004 and then um, 2011's the Iron Giant. Iron Iron Lady where she plays Margaret Thatcher. So this is our Politist Street episode. And also our season premiere in season seven, we did uh, the original Manchurian Candidate. So it's like a lot of associative things going on here.
1: Yeah. And Mm -hmm. season eight will be similar to our Cage or our um, Steven Spielberg uh, seasons. We'll be pairing up the movies for the most part to see what we can find.
3: We'll be bouncing around. We won't do the entire filmography of all 600 Merrill Street appearances.
1: <laughs> yeah. We're definitely going to watch Don't Look Up.
3: <laughs> yeah. I'm out of town that weekend.
0: She's in that.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's another political street. It is. Yeah.
1: It yeah. Is. Yeah. So uh, aside from uh, having a, a broad filmography and being one of the greatest living actresses, actors, um, of uh, our lifetimes. Is there uh, anything else we need to say about Street before we jump into the movies?
2: Maybe you don't have to call it a broad filmography just because she's a woman.
3: Yeah, that's that's yeah, kind, that's of, kind uh, of sexist. Yeah, <laughs> come on, that's really reductive, Thomas.
0: Um, I just think that I wanted to mention the the range that she has. You know, I mean, we've seen her just so far in the few movies that you know we're only a few movies into this season um everything from a rabbi to uh to Margaret Thatcher to um you know in Silkwood I mean she just I just feel like she could play anything
3: and we really haven't gotten to her funny performances yet so her
2: yeah. well her,
3: her rage of- was
2: was funny one of these performances today might be a, might be a funny one
3: Okay. And we also, we pre-funked the the Meryl Streep season uh, in our 4 by 4 where we covered the four projects she made with Mike Nichols. So we have already been steeped in Streep for a month or two. That's that's actually another good title for the season, Steeped in Streep.
1: Yeah. Well, I thought of an alternate title for this episode while you're talking. Maybe Stop Making Sequels. Um, (laughs) Because, I mean, you already have three movies uh, and an Avengers film. Like, you don't really need another Iron Man spinoff, but we'll get to that in a moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, Manchurian Candidate, 2004. Uh, it had an $80 million budget. How? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it must be. It had a. It does have a stack cast. Uh, but just to give us a quick sense of what 2004 had in store. Uh, at this time. Uh Streep was also doing limity snickets, a series of unfortunate *Vids* with uh Jim Carrey. You have Michael Mann's collateral coming out this year. Ooh. You got the Terminal, which we didn't cover during Spielberg. For good reason. <laughs> and we have Million Dollar Baby. Ooh. For wow.
3: So Eastwood was the only one uh
1: hitting homers that year. Well, <laughs> Cage did do National Treasure and Voight would be in that, along with Super Babies 2 in two thousand and four.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Super baby. Uh, so, who directed this Manchurian Candidate? Is it? I I went into this thinking it was Tony Scott. Is it not Tony Scott?
1: No, it's Demi. Um. So we. It's Jonathan Demi's third most successful film. I, I think you could guess which the first two are. Um. Hold on. It's um, Melvin and Howard. And Master Builder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course, being uh, the lesser Red Dragon. No, uh, it, <laughs> it being a little film which introduced the world to Keontae, Wine, uh, Silence of the Lambs. And then the second, of course, being Philadelphia, another Denzel Washington joint. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the tagline of this movie is a chip off the old shoulder. That that was from the Wikipedia page. (laughs) (laughs) But no, 2004 was this crazy year of remakes where you have like Starsky and Hutch this year coming out, Fat Albert, and the Stepford Wives. Wow. Hmm. But what's crazy about Jonathan Demme's um, filmography is that he had just had a flop with The Truth About Charlie, which is that remake uh, from Charade, of Charade. Mm Mm-hmm. They originally had I think Will Smith in the lead role, and then he dropped out, and they ended up going with Mark Wahlberg after they went down <laughs> maybe a pretty long list <laughs> uh, and so the crazy thing to me was like, why did Demi actually do this film um and I think he did it to have something come out before the election in two thousand and four like it's mm. it's the best thing I could really scratch up because the rights were with um Sinatra's daughter uh she wanted to ma- ha- make a remake mm-hmm. no uh he had another daughter
2: we'll get the research team on that
1: we'll go ahead and edit that <laughs> right in here uh, <laughs> tina sinatra that was tina. seamless right yes. yes.
2: yes
3: okay tina sinatra
1: yeah so uh you also have another film in 2004 that came out that did a lot better than this film for a, a lot lower budget that also was a political uh I, I guess it was a little bit more realistic. Called Fahrenheit 911. Mm. Ah yes. Came out a month and before. So that really gives you like the Melu, right? Yeah, and the both those films, I mean, really swayed the election, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> it it worked. But I think uh, this film made around $96,000, uh, ninety i am sorry, $97 million, $96 million on an $80 million budget. It wasn't a, a huge hit. Uh, no. But Fahrenheit nine eleven somehow grossed over $200 million in the box office. Wow. Yep. So people definitely wanted to see this. Uh, I mean, see that, not necessarily see the movie we're about to talk to today. But it was also a summer release. Who knows? Um, Ultimately, though, it seems like everything that from Demi said in the interviews that I've been able to read was that uh, he was interested. I guess two big points. Uh, one is that uh, even though it was a remake, Denzel was already attached, so he thought it was going. To, it was definitely a real project. He didn't have to cast Mark Wahlberg in it <laughs> or like a Baldwin <laughs> or somebody. And um, the second is that uh, he never watched the Frankenheimer film. Wow. Again, like he'd seen it before, but here's his actual quote. I started watching Freckenheimer's film again when I first got involved in the remake, but after about 20 minutes, I stopped because I found it was confusing me.
3: <laughs> Holy shit. <Yeah. laughs> that explains a lot about this movie. Thank you, Thomas. Yeah, that uh, was from the International the, uh, Film
1: Magazine, Magazine's uh, Side and Sound, December 2004 issue.
3: Yep. Can I do the letterboxed synopsis in case nobody knows what we're talking about this movie? Yes, the Manchurian Candidate, 2004, directed by Jonathan Demme, Oscar-winning director Jonathan Demme. Everything is under control. Years after his squad was ambushed during the Gulf War, Major Ben Marco finds himself having terrible nightmares. He begins to doubt that his fellow squad mate, Sergeant Raymond Shaw, now a vice presidential candidate, is the hero he remembers him being. As Marco's doubts deepen, Shaw's political power grows, and when Marco finds a mysterious implant embedded in his back, the memory of what really happened begins to return. Wow, that's actually better than the movie.
1: Yeah, it doesn't sound terrible. Um, Andy, your first time watching?
0: No, I think I saw it back when it came out, but that was a long time ago, so I had forgotten.
3: Uh, I saw it on opening weekend in um, 2002 when I was also four years old. 2004. You saw it two years before it came out? <laughs>
2: yeah. I was, I, was really preco-
3: I was a precocious kid.
2: <laughs> uh, Thomas, your first watch?
1: No. Uh, I did not watch it in theaters. Uh, I I did watch uh, Fahrenheit 9-11 only because uh, a friend of a friend was doing voice acting at the time. And she was the voice in Germany of uh, Britney Spears. And wow. Britney Spears has a few seconds in that film. So we went to go watch it to see what she was going to have to say when she got back home. Um, <laughs> no, uh, that the, the short answer is I own it. I've watched it all the way through, I guess, three times now. Uh Whoa. and so I watched it once. didn't think it was very good uh was got back into Jonathan Demi a lot. I was like, "Oh, I bet that film's better than what I thought it was. Mm-mm. and thought it was better on my second viewing, and we'll talk about my third viewing
2: so I guess I can confidently say that none of you like this movie then,
1: eh. so when I
3: first saw it, I was disappointed, but um, I hate' comparing movies to the original. Because you got you kind of want to look at it as its own thing, but it is impossible to watch this movie and not think of uh, what Frankenheimer did as a director and how Demi does absolutely nothing as a director.
1: Well, he does. I think he heightens a lot of the paranoia uh, in this film Uh, and his down the barrel style and his. Full scenes, by which I mean uh, there's a lot of activity going on in the background and a lot of the different scenes that uh, doesn't seem like sensory overload. It just seems like your normal day-to-day life that's giving you all these extra details. I don't know.
3: I mean, just putting sirens in the background of every single fucking scene doesn't really heighten. Well, here's here's the But We kept opening the window to see if it was outside because it was the entire movie.
0: Yeah, it was odd.
2: Choice. You know, you know what you should do next time is uh, plug your ears with wax, hot wax, like sailors did to avoid sirens.
0: Yeah. Oh, nah.
2: I get it. Yeah. Okay. I'll
3: edit that out. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you, you edit all your bad jokes out, but you never edit mine. Oh, that's because yours are actually funny.
1: <laughs> no, I think that the, there's a, there's a hard thing with this film, which if it was called something else, it'd be a better film. But some of what I like about this film or uh, some of the interesting parts is how it plays against the original and the expectations of the original, especially in the person of Rosie, I think. Terrible. Terrible screenwriterly
3: addition to the original. That Well, let's um... go
1: through the bingo before we forget. <laughs> okay? okay? To give a sense of what's... So, unfortunately, in these next two movies, I don't think Marilyn's... I'm sorry, uh, I don't think uh, Streep sings or plays the mm. piano.
0: No, I don't think so either.
1: I think there's a therapist in this movie though. Is there a celebratory yes. cake? There is? You know, a character has cancer. Nope. Food critic, nope. You know, there's some mouth noises with that ramen. And I'm gonna count that ramen as, as fridge food.
2: Yes.
0: Oh, is is um, a cup of
2: noodle? Yeah. <laughs> doesn't he I slept through a bit of this movie, but doesn't he rip out uh something from the guy's neck with his teeth,
3: yeah, yeah, and he's not thrown in jail forever after doing that to a vice presidential candidate. Well, so, I'm just yeah. saying that so could you count know as
2: legit. That could count as food criticism because he spits it out. <laughs> he doesn't oh, okay. though.
1: That's a no, but he doesn't. He car- he carries it around in his mouth.
2: Oh, okay. Through so the whole surprised. through the whole interrogation I, scene, so... <laughs> I slept through that.
1: Uh, I, you know what? Terrible. Some of our bingo card might have been heavily influenced by. Uh, the director because we don't have any wasps playing jews or gays there's a hospital scene there's mm-hmm. drug use with the no-dos there's a crash car crash with the tank it's an adaptation yeah mm-hmm. but i we have to really skip down and dream sequence we got one of those
2: yeah mm-hmm.
1: uh meryl streep does she die she does in this. No, yes. I mean, who cares about spoilers? But that's going to be a new addition to the bingo card, I think, because I think we're going to see her, uh, her characters pass away a bit. Um, dancing that was new. Both of these films have dancing,
0: yeah, they do. That's right, yeah,
1: that's right before she gets shot.
0: Margaret Thatcher danced with her husband when they were young,
1: yeah, and they both feature
3: one of the prominent characters being a fascist. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, how do you take uh do we wanna get through the plot at all? Because then we could just talk about things like there is no political attribution, like to political party attribution to any of the characters.
2: Yeah. There's a few points I'm confused on because I, I think I slept for like twenty or thirty minutes. I missed I missed a, a fair <laughs> chunk of this movie in the middle. Uh I do really like it though. I think it's a I think it's a good remake of a great movie. And I think that the time period that it's set in that it came out during uh, is very is very telling. I think this is a really interesting blockbuster.
0: Well, since this is a Meryl Streep season, um, I'd like to talk a little more about her. And I love Dame Angela Lansbury, but I think Meryl Streep did at least equal, if not better performance. I think equal. Uh, It was hard for me to see Angela Lansbury in a role like that because she's just like my grandmother, you know, Mm -hmm. she reminds me of my grandmother. And so to see her be like a bad guy was, was weird. Meryl Streep, I think is, can be more believable as a, as a bad guy. And I thought she was awesome. I I thought she was probably really the best performance of the movie. Um, Mm. Even even better than Denzel, honestly, because I don't know his character was just kind of ridiculous a lot of the time.
3: Yeah, if we're going to look for positives, it would definitely be Meryl Streep and um, maybe even Liev Schreiber, who oh, car- carries good. a lot of yeah. um, what was the actor's name who played that part in the original? Who played Sean the original? A lot of the uh, sadness and tragedy of his character, um, he captures quite well, even if the telling of it is pretty sloppy at times. Yeah, particularly his relationship with Vera. Uh, rural. Farm...
0: I also have my own little bit that I'm doing for every movie, um, similar to in Fight Club, where it's like I am Jack's, you know, inflamed pancreas or whatever. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so I, I choose something from each movie that, and that that's where I, you know, those memes. It's like tag yourself. So in this one, I am Meryl Streep's little little purple lens glasses in the scene where she's talking to the two guys from Manchurian Global. She had these little glasses on with purple lenses, and they were amazing.
3: Pretty stylish.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Do you think that she based it off of uh, Hillary? Because there wouldn't be any danger necessarily of doing so, or as much danger she, of doing so at the time. She and she's, did, or, she's denied it she over and over again, but it seems like...
3: She's like a sexy Hillary Clinton in this movie <laughs> yeah.
0: are you saying Hillary Clinton isn't sexy
3: um not not particularly, <laughs> but I found <laughs> Street, uh Streep is is amazing in this performance and uh it is different enough from Angela Lansbury where I wasn't really comparing yeah. um any of her yeah. plot stuff they they gave her a bit more business to do um yeah it's it's she's great.
1: Yeah, I was comparing a little bit Lawrence Harvey. I think I even said this in the last episode when we did uh, the Frankenheimer version. But uh, I remember watching the Lee Schreiber performance and not liking it um, a lot on my second viewing, maybe. But then going back and seeing how uh, Lawrence Harvey does it, it yeah, just yeah. There, there's like a parallel to their performances, this quietness uh, that that I I appreciate, but. To, uh, Lansbury said, after the movie came out, I have great admiration for Meryl Streep. Natch. Uh, I have great admiration for Meryl Streep. She'll probably be interesting. I just wish she hadn't chosen to do it. She may have been speaking to the oh. unnecessary remake of. A well, movie. That's what I was thinking. She yeah. might have just which been
0: is, like, "This movie's fair. not very good. I wish she she hadn't yeah put herself through that."
2: I don't she know. I, I I I like this movie. I don't know what what your guys's problem is. It's good.
0: It's because you slept through half of it.
2: No, I slept through. It was twenty <laughs> minutes at most, and I missed a couple. I missed a couple plot points that I'm confused on. But besides oh, well, that, let's, let's
1: maybe. Hey that that sounds like a great entry. What What were you confused <laughs> by? Because here's my quick review. I you know I don't do letterbox, but I think that this film made a film that came out on the 28th of January 2005 look less bad. And that <laughs> film is Alone in the Dark. <laughs>
2: Uh, I woke up, I think he was hanging out with, uh, Bruno Ganz, who's always a great sight to see, uh, great actor, one of my favorites, and he somehow gets Jeffrey Wright's notebook, right? And then also, I think I might have missed the point where he finds out that there's things, so there's things embedded in their necks or their backs, right?
1: Yeah, maybe?
2: Also, I missed the introduction of his, um lady friend that turns out to be part of the FBI or something.
3: Oh yeah. Cause the government still has a lot of good people and uh, I, yeah, that that's one of the other plot points that they changed for no real good reason. And it kind of makes um, Ben Marco's character in the first one, where is he crazy? He thinks he's crazy. And then he gets his little team of army dudes behind him in the investigation. And it makes it more like an individual affecting something and Denzel Washington's character. And this one comes into something that's already been in play for a while mm. and the government's already investigating it. And it really takes a lot of Marco's uncovering of what's happening, um, away from the drama. Okay. I think
2: that's a great point.
3: Yeah. I, I think the, um, the girl he meets becoming, end up being an a agent of the government is kind of like, um, when they Anthony Mangella remade The Talented Mr. Ripley, and there was stuff underneath the surface that wasn't said outright. And then when Mangella did it, he was just like, "Okay, well, I'm just going to say it all outright." You know, Tom Ripley's right. gay, and that becomes the text instead of the subtext. Um, yeah. And this movie makes a lot of screen screenwriterly stupid stuff, like
1: the the implant in the back. It feels like a movie that was that belongs in the '90s that was released five years too late.
0: That's true, because I I thought it came didn't I ask you? What yeah. I, like didn't this come out in the nineties? Um, yeah, like how long had that thing been in his back, and he just noticed it, and
3: he just is well, he
1: able to. Did bite he get it on, it on the train? else's back. I think it was a re-up. I think that they put it in his back during the train scene, but
0: maybe that would make more sense. Because I was like, dude, that's probably been in your back for years, and you're just now. <laughs>
3: okay, here's here's the biggest plot. The plot. The thing they met, and they fuck up is when he pulls the implant out and then she opens the door and he drops it. He just doesn't take the U-pipe out of the bottom of the fucking sink
1: to retrieve it. He has to go bite Steve Schreiber's. Nor nor (laughs) do the people watching him, because there's a camera in that room, think, oh, the guy who's fiddling with the knife in there, cutting his hand up, is kind of (laughs) dumb and maybe just whacked out on Nodos and romance novels.
2: (laughs) High sodium.
1: Sodium is just eating his body away from the inside from all those cup of noodles. Uh, we'll just go get the drain. We'll go get it out of the drain. It's cool.
2: I think I missed quite a bit of this film.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's why you like it so much. I,
2: no, I, I mean, okay. (laughs) Demi's direction, though, uh, pops, Ken, I saw on your letterboxed review that you're complaining about Demi's direction, but I think that's the thing that makes this film work, is it's, it's very well directed, quite like, um. Silence of the Lambs, which is like a not very good movie that's elevated by great direction. I think this is my, like yeah, my exact way.
3: words. My exact words were Demi carefully directs like he's trying not to wake a sleeping baby. Yeah, playing it a little too safe. Not I a lot know. of no, zero. The only interesting choice, which I think is a bad choice, is when Denzel
1: starts talking directly to the camera.
3: Even though oh. he's talking to somebody off camera, is
1: very unnerving. You can't get better than Jeffrey Wright talking in that camera like i i think the film <laughs> is justified just to have that shot i've hit, yeah. because there, there's nothing that encapsulates paranoia more than than jeffrey wright looking at you from like uh, a one-quarter profile his eyes <laughs> getting big and saying like i think they're in my head man or whatever he says it's it is the yes. ultimate paranoia
2: yeah i think his direction the whole movie is like that and it uh It's almost at times with the fade outs and the weird uh, surreal stuff, which is a total uh, like 180 total change from the original film. It makes it feel like almost like a an an art house blockbuster or something.
3: Hmm.
1: I think that was my second take. Yeah, I think the second time I watched it, that's why I came away with Jack. Um, And on this third watch, there's just so much that feels like a bad 90s thriller twist movie. Uh that I just yeah, it's hard for me to get back on board, especially after the the first Manchurian candidate was so clean in many ways, um, that they just decided to play against it. I, I think it would have been a better film if they called it something else. And as you're watching it, you're like, oh, does this feel a little bit like the Manchurian candidate? And they don't have to call the the co- Evil Corporation like Manchurian Universal or Global or whatever it is. <laughs>
3: but when it sticks to the 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 original where it's the um the dynamic between um Lieb Schreiber and his mom or Ben Marco and Lieb Schreiber um it it's pretty good there are some really good scenes between these actors and uh their whole dynamic which 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 are quite good um and then they get into stuff like he's biting implants out of his yes. shoulder and then for some yeah, reason he's, he's, he's not surgically in jail precise teeth. his life
1: yeah, the shoulder's connected to the brain bone. We all know this. Um, <laughs> we could talk about that
2: change. Uh, from It's a pretty big change from the original that uh, Denzel is the shooter and not um, Lee Shriver's character.
1: Yeah, which also yeah. goes along with the big change from the Lansbury to Streep.
3: Yeah, she is now a senator. She's not a senator's wife. Oh, right and also Modern Lieb schreiber time. is is his his character is now also a politician which as opposed you
1: know. to a reporter i think in the original
2: yeah i think if if any change to the screenplay makes sense it's that one uh it feels a bit i don't know because of how muddled and confusing i think the plot of this one gets or, compared to the original which is totally like clean um that plan, I guess, from the the bad guys, Vanturian Global, makes a bit more sense to have Leave Schreiber's character be the one that's going to be in the position of power, and not uh the way it was in the original where he's the shooter.
3: Yeah, and then they 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 kind of want to go for a parallax view type ending where the whole thing has been Marco being set up, um, but then it's kind of undermined when he kills the right people, but then the government Uh, wipes his face from him being cleared into the arena
2: so (laughs) he's not responsible that great that great photoshop tool where you can instantly (laughs) change a person into another
1: person i don't know if you guys caught this but this is a near future film like it's not supposed to have taken place in 2004 which doesn't make do anything like it's just like that good movie don't look up or maybe we'll do the giver (laughs) it's also a street film but Jesus. no, it's a it's a film that's only supposed to be slightly in the future and be a, and maybe even totally. be a dystopia. But you don't see the dystopia, right? Mm. Like you don't get enough of a caricature or grotesqueness to what's going on. Like there's there's a scene, and I didn't go back and try and do this because I don't care that much about this film, but uh, where uh, Denzel is in Rosie's, um apartment and there's some there's like a comedian or somebody on the television saying things i'm sure that's some of the worst racist stuff you've ever heard um but you just can't actually hear it because it's all background so it is the future enough that the uh, that the secret intelligence agencies have the ability to copy paste somebody into moving deep fake on a on a quick scale in 2000 and whenever
0: well, that was the only part of the movie that made me think, like, they didn't, ha- Photoshop wasn't that good in 2004, <laughs>
3: you know? It's not that good now. It's
0: not that good now. Um, I mean, you can do it, but it would, you know, it wouldn't just be like a few poop boop, boop, and, like, swipe, <laughs> and just swiping it and changing it into another person. It was like
3: an advertisement for an app on your phone, mm-hmm. where they make it look like, this is all you have to do, and it's perfect. <laughs> yeah.
0: But then you do it, and it's, it looks like a stick person.
3: or George in the painting and then (laughs) Seinfeld the photo.
1: Or when Mr. Bean accidentally uh, erases that painting and then tries to redraw it. (laughs) it I mean, I think that Demi really wants this to be that last line of the film, which is there's always casualties in war, but it doesn't really feel earned, right? Like it doesn't feel like we've seen, it's not like the first one where yeah the uh Schreiber analog is killed, but he's he's actually earns the Medal of Honor in a way by mm-hmm. he's yes. falsely gone, but tragically, his mom doesn't know this and has him have to be the assassin and he breaks his brainwashing and then gets killed after he does the thing that he thinks needs to be done, which is to take out the uh the evil in the yeah. world and that the movie really
3: having den denzel washington's character be the one that that does it um it doesn't have the same satisfaction of uh you know a, a ticking time clock <laughs> and then uh, well, the great thing about the original is he doesn't get there in time if uh what's her name had broken in janet lay's uh remake janet lay if she had broken in and time um and they had the same kind of ending that the original had then that that might be something
1: well the other part is then all of a sudden you like poor uh woman uh actress who played Jocelyn Jordan because the daughter of the senator, she has nothing to do. Just just yeah. to be killed, I guess, after her dad's killed, but there's no flashback scene. There's just mentions right. and then it doesn't even feel earned like that that there was anything between them. He just seems like a creeper in many ways. Uh, for the past 10 years that's the other big thing right all this stuff happens in 91 and then like sometime in the future 10 plus years later because you have to have enough time for him to become a congressman right so it's
2: if i have one big problem with the movie it is that that decision to have uh denzel make that last minute supposedly decision to kill the right people um it doesn't even if you haven't seen the original, you know he, you know what he's going to do. Like, there's no tension in that ticking time clock.
3: Yeah, because because you you never feel that um, uh, his lady special lady friend is is going to get there in time.
1: There's no solitaire playing, which you know I miss I, that. My dad used to play solitaire all the time on the computer. Like that was his go to for instead of like whittling or I don't know having a banana peel out on the porch and swatting flies. <laughs> uh, that was his way of passing the time.
3: <laughs> hmm. Is he ever in combat?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I never asked him if he wanted to play a game of solitaire.
3: No, he was in battle every day, every day, because he's a woman. Just like Margaret Thatcher.
1: So, Jack, I'm surprised he didn't comment anything about the uh, n- the the plot being that they have to uh, spend a lot of money on a sleeper agent. Uh, to be able to kill the presidential uh, the presidential candidate so that the vice president becomes president. Couldn't they just... Well, okay, here's what Demi says in that 2004 article. Uh, there's a moment where John Voight, as Senator J- Jordan, says Raymond is being groomed to be the first fully owned and operated vice president in the United States. It always makes me want to shout out, what do you mean? We have that already. <laughs> That's Dimmy on uh, his own yeah. film.
3: That's the good point. D- oh, you didn't do it yes. in his voice.
1: Oh, yeah. That, that, that was actually a clip from Jonathan Demme. Uh, oh. He and I <laughs> kind of grew up in similar yeah, circumstances.
2: <laughs> Politically, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I don't know how much of it is actually saying anything. At least the original uh, clearly had a political stance that it was taking. And this is just a yeah. dumb, hey, this is just a dumb, fun, really well-directed thriller. And I like it. It's nothing compared to the original. I mean, it's trash if you're comparing the two, but I don't know. It's, I like, I like dumb nineties movies and this feels like a dumb nineties movie. Fair enough. Silence of the Lambs is also fucking stupid. If you, if you want to go that <laughs> route, that is not a great movie. It's ridiculous.
3: What's kind of frustrating about it is Thomas, you brought up Fahrenheit 9 11 earlier, which is uh, a pointed political point of view movie. Um, this one made by a, a lot of people who are are liberal, probably have a lot of the same um, leanings as I do, Uh, but they do that annoying thing where they try and thread the middle of the road needle and not offend anybody to make them think it's one person or another or take an actual stance on anything. And it it ends up being kind of flat, which we may talk about in the next movie as well.
2: Oh, really? I guess I I should mention there are a couple squibs in this film. Uh, I would give the the ending squib when he shoots. What's his face and Meryl Streep? That's a that's a solid squib. That's an eight out of ten squib there. Classic.
3: So I thought about that when we were watching it and said, "Oh,
1: Jack Jackal like the squibs."
2: Uh, I was just wondering what Bruno Ganz's deal was because I woke up and he was there and I had no explanation for it.
1: He's an angel. <laughs>
3: yeah, I, I was never. I he never was, really understood who he was either. He was he like was his a
0: scientist. I mean, he had all these monkeys, and you know, he had like a lab. But I don't know how. I don't know about a dog. It's
3: like when he, superheroes in movies are are, de, are private detectives or the Punisher. They have like their tech guy. Yeah, that's that's but, what he was. But like. uh, Denzel microchip wasn't that Punisher's tech guy?
1: Yeah, microchip. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He,
3: is, he is. He's he's a, a ramen eating romance novel reading conspiracy theorist. So him having that never really made sense other than seeing Bruno Gans on the screen in a big Hollywood movie which is great mm-hmm. um, but yeah his his character doesn't make any sense other than for exposition that would have been
1: handled by well didn't he ben get Marco's maybe people. he got it through the uh, Jeffrey Wright uh, notebook
0: I, I don't know okay. I, I didn't know if I'd like you know zoned out and missed what, how he knew the Bruno Gans but
1: yeah I think there must be an association Oh, there was also the internet so as we see in yeah. this uh a library shout out and it's uh yeah
2: I think he googled uh microchip removal near me <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think he maybe excited it or auto did it I don't know if Ask let me Thieves. see Google Ask I'm going I'm going to Google Thieves. Google right now when did Google
2: No he actually does use Google in the movie Um Al, I remember spotting that oh, like. Okay
1: yeah it's yeah, it it's early the, enough it that he could have done it
2: yeah. yeah. All right. Do we have any Google reviews? Speaking of Google, we have we have tons. Yeah, we got some Google and some Letterboxd here, I think. Sweet. Okay. On Letterboxd, Patrick Willems gives the Manchurian candidate three stars and says, If you're going to make a brainwashed sleeper assassin, maybe don't make their activation code word, just their name. Uh, Cole gives it two and a half stars and says, Or the Pete Buttigieg story. What? <laughs> Wow. Oh gosh, <laughs> man. Uh, wow. And on Google, Get New Movies Movies says, I loved this movie because I like to see more scary movies like that. Please suggest me another movie like that.
3: The Manchurian candidate. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, and lastly on Google, Susan Gray gives it five stars and says joe biden is the new manchurian candidate never leaving his basement and his personality according to those that know him seems to be completely different than what they can recall there's no basement in the manchurian candidate yeah so i don't know where they're getting that from
3: uh, they're they the, that's the kind of person. Anything that they see will just trigger them. They, they have, uh slushies could be on sale at Seven Eleven, and they'll just go on a tangent about True. Joe Biden. Thanks, Joe Biden.
2: Oh, that's like uh, Thomas's improv association. Like you have to connect slushies to Joe Biden somehow.
1: Oh, <laughs> I just did it, man.
2: Uh, are we gonna take a quick break here before? Iron yeah,
1: lady? yeah, yeah, yeah. Where'd you get a job, Jack? I'm a dishwasher. Which one?
2: Uh, which dishwasher?
1: No, which.
2: Oh, the one. It's by the.
1: You motherfucker. I applied for that.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, am I the first out of the three of us to get a job? But I didn't. The thing is, I didn't have one for like years beforehand, so I don't know if that counts.
1: Yeah, I think when you say first, uh, you have to indicate what your marker is, because I think I started working when I was pretty young and would have beat you because oh. by virtue of you not being alive.
2: Right, right. How old are you?
1: Uh I am not saying on mic.
2: Can I get like a range?
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> I am younger than your father and older than your sister.
2: Okay, that narrows it down quite a bit.
1: No, I think I think like uh, I was your age in the late 90s. Oh, okay so just like sure. add 20 years to how old you are and then a little some change and you'll get to me
3: <laughs> great yeah that's going to be uh some hot content yes uh are we ready to talk about the iron lady yes uh i
1: guess 2011's iron lady
3: yeah um do you want me- it's obviously the the biopic of margaret thatcher one um meryl streep and oscar what yeah she won You're an oscar kidding. for this Yeah,
0: I can believe that.
1: And her makeup person, uh, who she's used for most of her life uh, in film, uh, also won an Oscar for it.
3: Deservedly so, I will say. If you want me to read the the synopsis. uh, An English heavy metal band formed in Leighton, East London in 1975 by... No, wait, that's Iron Maiden. Filmmaker Lenny Riefenstahl's controversial masterwork is an artful work (laughs) for propaganda showcasing Oh, wait, no, that's Triumph of the Will. (laughs) <laughs> uh, some nazi propaganda okay oh boy. now here's the, here's the real one inspired by a true story three generations in the making an urgent phone call pulls a yale law student back to his ohio oh shit that's hillbilly elegy another piece Dude. of fascist propaganda <laughs> oh written by jd vance who along with ron howard ruined my hollywood girlfriend amy adams forever it's true fuck all Dude. of you guys Okay, The Iron Lady, 2011, directed by uh, Phyllida Lloyd, who had worked with Meryl Streep on Mamma Mia a couple years earlier. Um, Never compromise. A look at the life of Margaret Thatcher, the former Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, with a focus on the price she paid for power. 48p. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, first watch.
1: First watch. Andy? Um. Yeah, first watch. First watch. Thomas? Uh, my second. I saw it in theaters. Um. not sure why, because I could have watched War Horse or J. Edgar, or Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, or four other Ooh, C- Nicolas Cage films in 2011. Actually, no, it makes sense why I watched this. Why? Because it wasn't War Horse or Ghost Rider no. Spirit of Vengeance <laughs> or four other <laughs> Nicolas Cage films in, in 2011. Uh, J. Edgar is pretty good. And actually I would defend Ghost Rider 2 as well. Uh but um I had always heard uh terrible things about Margaret Thatcher and mm-hmm. mainly from British comics from the late 70s, eighties. Yeah. And uh not comics like stand up comics, but you know, the the British Renaissance nice. with like Alan Moore and, and others. Um mm-hmm. and yeah, I wanted to see I don't know, uh I wanted to learn something when I went to the movies and I don't know if I did then. Did and, you? I did, and I don't feel like I did on my second watch either.
2: I mean, if I were to compliment this movie, I would say that it's better than Warhorse.
3: Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I could say that. So, <laughs> Hey, Jack, since you're, um, you're, you're a young, a young whippersnapper. Yeah. Uh, Margaret Thatcher was long gone from the public eye when you were born. What do you know? Uh, anecdotally, perhaps, about Margaret Thatcher and her reign uh, for 11 years in
2: the UK. People my age actually hate Margaret Thatcher quite a bit. And I remember even as young as middle school people uh, um, uh, making jokes about her being dead and the IRA, trying to kill her and all this stuff. So she's been, no, seriously, she's been like, uh, kind of like Ronald Reagan. She's kind of like a meme to me. Like yeah. she's kind of the punchline of a lot of jokes, and uh, yeah, I know she's a, a horrible, horrible, terrible, terrible person, and uh, I don't like her one bit. And I was prepared to enjoy a nuanced look on her life.
3: Uh, Andy, what are what are your thoughts on Margaret Thatcher outside of this movie before watching it?
0: Um, so I mean, I remember. I guess she was prime minister when I was born, probably, or shortly after. I mean, she's like the first prime minister. Yes. Um, She's the first one I remember, you know, and she was in office for so long that, yeah, like the leaders, you know, during my childhood was Reagan and her. And I don't know. Uh, So, and I didn't really, I mean, I... So I, I, one thing I'll say about that, and I thought about this during the movie too, but I already, you know, felt this way, is because of that. It's not it. It wasn't unusual to me for a woman to be in a position like that. You know, mm-hmm. like that part. She was in, in an inspiring person in that she was able to get to that level in the t- time period, especially. Yeah. Because that was just unheard of. And you see that in the movie. Um, I just wish she'd been liberal instead. <laughs> but, um, but she really, she did pave the way though for, I think, you know, in England for women in politics. And, and honestly, it's, it's interesting to me that the UK, as stuffy and traditional as they are, have already had, you know, female prime ministers. And we have yet to have a female president.
1: To add to that, I mean, a film that we watched that came out seven years prior, Manchurian Candidate, right? Uh, it was so uh, that character, Streep's playing, doesn't think that she could ever become president. And that's why she has to go through these various machinations to put somebody in power for the company that she has uh, puppet strings on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's so- wild that, yeah. And in uh, the odds in the future odds because that film also, as a reminder, takes place in some nebulous future, uh, a little bit beyond itself. <laughs> uh, it's still that uh, a woman doesn't feel that she like it's likely that she could become president, despite all the presence that she has in that in that film and all the command that she has as a senator. So,
3: Thomas, what are your non Iron Lady thoughts or impressions of the Margaret Thatcher era in the UK?
1: I mean, I seriously, I didn't live through them, so I don't know uh, enough. Like, I it was adjacent to uh, where I was growing up. Like, she was prime minister uh, for before I was born. I was fairly ignorant of anything going on in the world through most of my childhood. When the Berlin Wall fell, I thought there was like a construction problem. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that I was like, oh, are people injured? I didn't really understand the um the fullness of what like yeah, uh the fullness of what was, was going on. And so uh I you know I was too young to vote for her and I also am not a UK citizen, so <laughs> I and I like don't think I would have you. <laughs> <laughs> uh the thing that I um always uh, was interested in, uh, had me do a little bit more research prior to, like, after the movie. Um, and I was hoping that I would learn a little bit more, maybe back in 11 when I when I saw this, was, like, what, why the Falcon Islands, right? Like, what was that about? Because a grenade around the same time, right? And it's just a question of, like, why is this happening? It's not really part of the Cold War, it seems. It's not like the Cuban Missile Crisis. Why is there any action right. being taken, basically, in Antarctica?
3: Mm. Like, yeah. It's it's the flexing of a muscle to pick up a feather. Both the Falcons and Grenada.
2: I can tell you my theory on that, which is, at least for this movie, uh every boring political biopic needs to have like the obligatory war sequence thrown in so that people don't fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Like um Darkest Hour with Gary Oldman has the same thing.
1: True. But 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 yeah, let's let's do that. But I mean, just to put a point on it, just for historical accuracy, I mean, her numbers, her popularity was going down. And, and like April 82, when this happened, like her future was in question. Like, mm-hmm. And so the Falcon Islands uh, helped uh, keep her in office for another, what, like nine, 10 years? I'm sorry, maybe eight. But yeah, my math's not great. But I mean, it is that uh, it is something that not just for the plot point of the movie, but like in, in history. Uh, reestablished uh her authority and her grip over the party. It's
3: very similar to after uh, Reagan got shot in the
1: states, um, and somehow it didn't happen with George Bush uh, Sr. <laughs> no, he went. Yeah, he went to war and went to Kuwait and got Denzel
3: Washington and his men all fucked up. <laughs> didn't do him a damn lick of good.
2: That's right.
3: Uh, so the Iron Lady is obviously the biopic of um, Margaret Thatcher. Uh, It was written by Abby Morgan, who also wrote *Shame*, and Phyllida Lloyd, who did uh, *Mamma Mia*, and then this movie, and then has kind of disappeared a little bit. One thing I do like about the movie is conceptually having somebody famous uh, on the verge or having dementia and uh, having suspect memories of their life is is a great framing sequence, and I think you could you could really go deep into how memory. Changes things to make us feel better about things that we did. Um,
1: this movie doesn't really play into that, even though it probably could have and should have. And um, and you're kind of hoping for like a sixth sense or ghost. You're hoping Whoopi Goldberg's going to come in at some point, sex yeah. it up, or we get some sort of
3: contrast between her memory and like actual footage. You know, sure. So we could we can kind of see that how she's remembering isn't how it really was, uh, because seeing a major figure like that seeing her talk seeing and talking to her dead husband uh having memory problems is is a pretty daring choice and um I, I give him a lot of credit for getting that far into it but the um the execution is probably the thing here
1: i mean i red flags i didn't know back in 2011 when i watched it in the theater i might have walked out but <clears throat> did you guys notice the very start of this film what what came up on screen seven production companies
2: Yes. Oh yeah, we
3: we we mentioned that when we were watching it. Uh, Thomas is going to love this. Yeah, why were there so many? That's how movies get made, man. They're all tax dodges for all these gazillionaires. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um I know I was a little uh I guess confused in the beginning of like trying to figure out what the structure was cuz yeah. I was like cuz I thought it was more of a biopic like traditional, you know, following the person from there. And it, I mean it does that, but like the kind of back and forth, you know, bouncing from present time to, you know, think her remembering things. Once I finally realized, like, oh, okay, this is how this is going to be, you know, then I, I was could get more into it. But,
1: uh, yeah. I think it also to circle back to what you said, Ken, um, if it had maybe like a little bit of a Jacob's ladder moment as well, where uh, you she couldn't remember things, not just in, accurately, but also like faces become blurred or you can see the onset of memory yeah. loss. That could be a very crippling thing. Some of her memories actually, you know, going uh, singing
3: detective Dennis Potter, where they just kind of become fantastic in a way. So we know what we're seeing is her memory, because when it's presented as as factual, um, it, it, it does fail to mention a lot of terrible things that Margaret Thatcher did, and which is very, frus- very frustrating. And we could have got Meryl
1: Streep singing. <laughs>
2: Dude. Yeah, the the first act is definitely like the opening is definitely the most interesting part because when you do get that what that uh structure is going to be it's a very bold choice but um I think much like the IRA planting that bomb in her hotel the execution could have been better.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh.
0: That's some cold shit.
3: Um I was thinking watching this movie, if if somebody decided to go this route, but go all in, you know, uh, Dennis Potter, Bollywood style with Ronald Reagan, with Ronald Reagan um, deep into his dementia state in you know, like 1984 or whatever. And to have these memories mixed with real life, um, because his would even be better because he was in the movies.
2: Ooh, you could get uh, uh, and- Bruce Campbell to do it.
1: Oh, that'd yeah. be amazing.
3: Holy shit. Uh if yeah. you're listening, Hollywood Bruce. producers that want to <laughs> I know Bruce is a big fan of the pod. Yeah, <laughs> hell to the chin. <laughs> <laughs> we're all we're all Southern Oregonians, right, Bruce? Is
1: Bruce he still in Eugene? We should just drive down there and, and get <gasps> him and make our him. own film. I
0: mean we should
3: we're going down to
1: Eugene next week.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, we're gonna make it happen.
1: Bruce, either uh pump up your security or keep the door unlocked because we're gonna- <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're also sorry we're recording this in the in the past so we're already there <laughs> <laughs> i'm standing right behind you We're at the <laughs> I'm <open> door. <laughs> i i'm here oh, to pick boy. up some lavender oil so he and uh, uh steven seagal never mind there's a connection between the two of them <laughs> steven seagal presses uh Bruce Campbell's lavender into like soaps and, and oils and other things.
2: <laughs> oh jeez.
3: There there's a moment in the the Iron Lady where she's first elected to parliament and even though at the time there was there was um you know um 1920 female members of parliament. In the movie, they make it very clear that she is the only one there and they yeah. differentiate her almost like the red dress in Schindler's list is having a blue dress. That kind of stuff, if it leaned more into the Fantastical, so you knew it was a memory, um, could be quite striking. But when you look at it, you're like, she wasn't the only female member well, of Parliament. I, w- I
0: wondered I did not ask here? that. I was like, was she the first female Parliament member? And I don't I don't know.
1: No, like that, she was not she was not. not. she was not. I'm sure she there was. Wasn't lots at, at the time. I think the first one yeah, was like in the 20s, weird. if I remember right. Um, actually, the first one was 1918. Uh, but it was a member of Sinn Fin. Uh, I'm sorry, Sinn Fein, um, the uh, Irish separatist. So the first one actually uh, be elected and be uh, part of Westminster was 1919. But the other part of that, which you don't quite see so much, like everything's com- compressed, is that, you know, Margaret Thatcher just wasn't elected in the late 70s. She had been serving since the late 50s, early 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's like this long like it's it, it, the movie doesn't quite capture that to my mind. It seems like she wins her, she loses two elections. Uh, she's proposed to, they dance, and then she starts. she wins her election. And then serves as kids. the yeah has kids leaves the kids education secretary and then becomes prime minister um which is true just chronologically but like uh like in a order of numbers right like in sequence but that's not quite the duration of those things happening
2: yeah i don't mind historical accuracies in biopics or historical films like my my favorite biopic is uh walker by alex cox and that has that is full of historical anachronisms and inaccuracies i just think the biggest sin of this movie is that um nothing in in that serves a purpose and it feels like this is a movie that didn't have to get made this feels like someone was was tasked in writing a biopic on margaret thatcher and they're just like okay and they throw in all the generic biopic things there isn't really anything in this movie that has a soul to me.
1: No, but but here's here's actually the worst part. And I want you to do a quick thought experiment. This is like why this film to me is extremely dangerous. You take okay. any any other historical figure that lived long enough to have memories back to an earlier lifetime and you give them the same plot. It doesn't matter. Like if it's Hitler in the bunker, if it's Reagan, like if it you know, if it's somebody great as well, or somebody, you know, positive that we might want to emulate, like Gandhi or somebody, right? Like, it doesn't matter. Yes. It's a, there's nothing about this structure which has to do with Margaret Thatcher. It's all, it, it's an instant sympathy, right? Somebody losing the memories from being old. And it doesn't matter what they did in the film. Like, this film, uh, there's no repercussions for anything that we see, right? It, mm-hmm. It's yeah. just somebody being commanding.
2: Yeah, what did uh, the opening... Like the, the menu screen with like the happy music and it made it look like a fun, fluffy British movie. What, what did you say? Uh, Ken, you said something like, it's like if they made a, a happy British comedy about Hitler.
3: Yeah.
0: Cause it, yeah, it was like swing music or something. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what Tom's talking about is if you lay this template on anybody, he's right. It, it drains it of any nuance. And one of the things, uh, the, the Abby and Philida. I'm on first name basis with the writer and director. Nice. I mean, they wanted to, uh, I, I don't think from reading between the lines that either of them were fans of her politics. So what they rightly or wrongly focused on was her position as, as a woman and, and, uh, her sense of feeling isolated and, and the one woman in groups of men. And then at the end of the life, she's also in a lot of ways isolated as well, self isolated in a lot of ways. And by them focusing on that, and and not focusing on the other side of of her life um yeah I, I agree with you thomas it's 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 kind of dangerous in a lot of ways
1: and it seems like because during the media blitz um this is coming from queen meryl the iconic roles heroic deeds and legendary life of meryl streep by aaron carlson from the Multnomah county library shout out shout out during the media blitz uh, meryl pledged 1 million dollars towards the establishment of the national women's history museum in washington she wanted to support an institution where women's places in history relegated to sidebars and textbooks, could be collected, archived, and publicized to showcase incredible stories we didn't know anything about. Um, so it seems like that's, yeah, like she's trying to take some of the money from this film and, and clean that, her soul. that was
3: her entire salary. She only got paid a million up front. I don't know if she had points on the box office, which was quite good for a $13 million budgeted movie that made over one hundred and fifty. um but yeah, her entire salary that she got was donated to
1: that. So good on Meryl. Yeah.
2: That's good. And that's yeah. awesome.
1: And the other side of this, and the thing that maybe helped drive me to the theater, and I think is still could be appreciated, though it's a very dangerous film, like I said, she's fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Can we talk oh, yeah. about her? Like, what, hey, uh, Andy, what's your um, Jack's something something from Fight Club for this movie? I
0: am Margaret Thatcher's amazing 70s kitchen. Yes. Her Holy really shit!
1: <laughs> awesome.
3: Yeah. Oh, you know what? Kitchen. See what scene where I was like, oh man, this this scene was like made for an actress like Meryl Streep when she's with the two um, um, image guys and they're talking uh-huh. about her, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and then her voice, how she changes her voice, the entire performance before that. Mm-hmm. You literally, she sounds like a completely different person.
2: Yeah.
3: And that's just all Meryl Streep acting.
2: Yeah. Guys, I. I'm going to say something controversial. I don't think this is a bad performance, but it's not great. It's not very
1: good. No, it is great. No,
2: I, she, yeah,
0: it's, I thought it was really great.
1: I thought
2: it was,
0: deserving especially of because aus- yeah. I, and, and I think, um, Jillian Anderson did a good job of, with her too, in the crown.
3: Ooh, but sexy Margaret Thatcher. That's not fair. If Margaret Thatcher gets
1: Jillian Anderson and Meryl Streep, the
3: player. I don't, I don't. Anyway, but
0: I what thought Amy Bale Adams is anything.
1: playing Margaret Thatcher know. in the Reagan biopic? Uh,
0: yeah, I don't. I don't. That's that'd be a stretch for Amy Adams.
1: That uh, with Bruce Campbell. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: Anyway, I thought it was an excellent performance. I thought she.
1: I thought especially for
0: an American too to have to do that accent, and she did a great job. There oh, were yeah, there room, were one or two um,
1: times. There were, I guess I could see a Meryl. Mer, I could see. I'm sorry. I could see uh like a street ism if that's what it is like when she kind of looks uh maybe to her 11 o'clock um and and kind of tilts her head a little bit but like i uh, i other than that like i felt like i was watching a documentary with um uh with thatcher jack what did you what what, what was missing for you
2: roger ebert in his review i think said that um some that Meryl Streep is one of the greats, and that there are directors that don't know how to use her, and I think that that might be my problem because Ooh. the this whole movie, I kind of just felt like I was watching Meryl Streep in a Margaret Thatcher costume with nothing to do, and I think in a better movie with a better director, this would be uh, a great performance. But like Oscar worthy? No, it, it. I don't know. It felt like. Saturday Night Live at some points.
1: No. Her movement as an old person seems impeccable. It's So mm-hmm. fucking good. Yeah, but-, but- to Jack,
3: so I'm going to agree with you on one point. The stakes of the contemporary part of the movie are so low, they're basically her getting to the point where she could um, donate all her dead husband's stuff to charity. That's basically the whole present plot yeah. line to her yeah, to get yeah. to that point. Yeah. Um, It's very forced, and it feels very low stakes for somebody whose uh, career as prime minister affected so many people in the UK in a really negative way, other than the rich people.
2: Killed lots of people as well.
3: A lot of people, yeah.
2: Meryl Streep aside, uh, the direction in this movie is mostly pretty flat, but there's like a couple great things that... uh, Philippa, is that her name, director? Philippa. Phyllida, Phyllida, first name basis, does, uh, there's a lot of great shaky zooms, which I love, and the scene where, uh, probably the best scene in the movie for me, when she's trying to drown out, uh, Jim Broadbent's voice, which, why would you ever want to do that? He has a great voice, and he's very funny oh and damn. charming, uh, and she's, like, and it's framed, like, almost like a, uh, Sam Raimi horror movie, with the Dutch angles and the zooms, and uh-huh. she's turning on all the appliances, uh-huh, so there's a few stylish touches like that, um. But aside from the, uh, some of the directing and, I guess, Meryl Streep's performance, I can concede is uh, passable. The writing in this movie is just fucking god-awful. Just yeah. terrible writing. And it's really disappointing because the woman who wrote this wrote Shame, which is, I, I think is a masterpiece. And I was really expecting something deeper to go into her psyche. But mm. instead we get we get the passage of time and showing the passage of her career through montages of things on the tv which is like one of the biggest movie sins you can commit in my opinion
1: if they had a better film in the film that they were showing then yeah that would also be a big movie sin fortunately they shied away from it right they didn't they didn't do you all think that this movie
3: might have been hampered a little bit by the fact that margaret thatcher was still alive when it was made
0: probably
1: i i would say so yeah which begs yeah. the question why make the film right Yes. Yeah,
3: you just had to wait a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine 2022, uh, um, a movie about uh, Margaret Thatcher played by still played by Meryl Streep. Um, yeah. How
1: mm-hmm. culturally
3: different that would be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have nothing just negative to say about Lloyd's direction. I, I'm curious to see Mamma Mia now, which I haven't seen uh, the Lloyd Streep prior joint that they did together. So
2: part of the question like why make this movie is that like it is showing Margaret Thatcher as um, focusing on her as a person and especially as a woman in this world of men, which I do appreciate. I think that with the terrible writing, it gets hampered a little at times, like the scene where uh, other Jim Broadbent, the younger version of him proposes to her. And she like Mm -hmm. has this whole spiel where she basically just like explains her character to the audience where she's like, I don't want to be washing dishes. I want to be, like, a woman in power or whatever. And On the nose. Way too on the nose. And it it really, if you're trying to show that side of Margaret Thatcher, which I don't know if she did have any feelings or emotions or a sensitive side, um, she just seems, like, straight-up evil to me from an outsider perspective. Like, that is such a... That seems like an impossible task. That seems like pushing the boulder up the hill. Like, how do you make a movie like that? And I was expecting from the writer of shame, which is a movie about a very complicated, bad person that really delves into his psyche. Like, I don't know. I just think that this is so surface level and it doesn't go anywhere else than what you immediately see. And it was just an incredible disappointment to me.
3: Well, do you know there's that scene where she goes to the doctor and um, it almost feels like a Nick Shank scene from an Eastwood? Yeah. <laughs> talking about, we used to think in my day, everybody just feels now. And we're supposed <laughs> to be like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't. That really seemed like a Clint Eastwood, Nick Shank moment.
1: Yes. Oh my goodness.
3: Yeah, but, but, but I think as we'll
1: find as we'll find out next week, I think Streep can act circles around Clint Eastwood. But it would be yes. fun to see Clint Eastwood recast re- as Margaret Thatcher <laughs> as for Margaret that scene. Thatcher? For that scene. You
3: and your feelings. You and your goddamn
1: feelings. <laughs> uh, I love uh, Antony Head, but if, if uh, instead of Antony Head, it was the orangutan
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> as her second in oh. command, uh, that would, would be amazing. I in a heartbeat. Oh,
2: hell yeah. I'd watch the heck out of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about, besides Streep, this movie does have a stacked cast. There are a lot of great mm-hmm. actors in this. Both um,
3: of these movies this week have fucking amazing casts. Yeah. yeah.
0: You didn't recognize Olivia Coleman for the whole movie, I think. I didn't, because of her <laughs> fake nose. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Love and, uh, Olivia Coleman. Richard E. Grant shows up briefly, which is always great.
0: Mm-hmm. Ian Glenn.
1: Oh, yeah. made
0: her dad. Friend Zone is what I called him. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah friend friend zone. zone. And Phoebe Waller-Bridge, just oh, for like oh, a yeah. second. Yeah. Did we already say Richard E. Grant? Yes. Yes.
3: yes. Okay. Who was not given enough to do, and the fact that there wasn't a sequence where he and Thatcher get together and drink too much.
0: Right? That um, That
3: would have made the movie right there.
2: Yeah, yeah. that's all you need.
0: Missed opportunity.
3: Yeah. Richard. Yeah. E Can Grant you ever forgive Harry them? Thatcher. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs>
2: Margaret Thatcher, I may not not like her as a person or leader, historical figure, but she is the source of something I quote all the time, which is uh, when that IRA bomb missed her. Uh, the Irish Republican Army released a statement. They said something like, um, "We only have to be lucky once. You have to be lucky every time." Which is pretty bad. That's
1: Um Whiskey, right there. I guess the other thing, I just want to make sure that uh, our listeners, I'm sorry, our listener, listener at the end of time might know, because Wikipedia might not be around anymore. Um, the Iron Lady uh, was a nickname that came later. Earlier, aside from the most unpopular woman in Britain, she was also as a, uh, uh, a nickname given Thatcher the Milk Snatcher.
3: because <laughs> right, because she,
1: she stopped free milk
3: in schools.
0: Oh wow! Oh my
3: God! Which is funny I'm for a movie that up. starts with a woman going and complaining about the price of milk, and they don't uh-huh. even bother what? covering yeah. the fact that she stopped free milk at schools, bitch.
1: That's Jeez. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, she did that so that they could keep the lights on, I guess. Like it was reallocating money. So, uh, in which sure. it's like everything that she did, right? So she gets rid of like um she reduces income taxes to have value added taxes, like to have like basically a flat tax. So everybody's paying the same versus just the rich. It's the same thing we saw in the States with like trickle down. Oh, yeah. um,
3: De- uh, privatization, uh Mass. Uh, the the mass hammering away at unions. Same shit that went on here. And the people that are always get rich, kept getting richer. Unemploy- unemployment didn't, didn't unemployment did not change during her reign. She did nothing.
1: Well, the crazy people. one of the crazy things that I saw was where all the antifa that burned down Portland came from, because <laughs> like those strikers, that's some, all the archival footage. It is a full-on violent strike. It's mm-hmm. not um, people with picket signs asking you not to cross the line,
2: yeah,
3: or honk, honking if you support them.
2: Uh, the Europeans have always been a lot better at protesting and revolting than we have.
1: You're saying yeah. the American? I'm sorry, Americans aren't revolting. Americans are. They're pretty revolting. Yeah.
2: (laughs) That's. Uh, Oh, boy. Uh, I think we've Uh, lost all of our listeners from all over the globe (laughs) this episode. Hey. uh,
1: Yeah. Um, We still love you. Uh, I don't know. Madagascar. You're you're cool with (laughs) that still. Yeah. One of our favorite movies.
3: We'll cover that in season nine.
2: Yeah. We'll cover that when we do uh, Noah Baumbach movies because he wrote Madagascar three. He did? Uh, I believe so. Co-wrote it. Cool. Anyway. I I
3: did not know that. Are we ready
2: for some reviews on the Iron Lady?
3: Yeah, and then we're going to have some what would Thatcher say about these movies, right? That's correct.
2: All right, so on Google, TR gives it one star and says, Communist Hollywood ill-portrays here in this movie as arrogant, crazy, and selfish. This is just a propaganda film attacking the British Conservative Party. Manette Pinar Gives it five stars and says, awesome service, awesome vibe, and mind-blowing food. <laughs> uh, now to Letterboxed Emma gives it one and a half stars and says, do you think Margaret Thatcher had girl power? Do you think she effectively utilized girl power by funneling money into illegal paramilitary death squads in Northern Ireland? <laughs> That's an Eric Andre show quote, if you didn't didn't know.
3: Oh, I did not. That's a deep ref. Good oh.
2: job. Uh, Alex H. gives it two stars and says, one of the worst spinoffs ever made. Doesn't even have Robert Downey Jr. appear in a cameo role. (laughs) Good one. Uh, Moodles gives it half a star and says, yes, Queen, stop those unions. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dirk H. gives it one and a half stars and says, nah, I'll just rewatch Spitting Image again and when will the Academy realize that impersonating someone really well is not the same as acting really well? Thank you. Whoa. And yeah, <laughs> Chris Feel gives it half a star and says, a house cat curiously <laughs> sniffs an editing board, walks on it, and then panics, resulting in the following film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. All right.
3: So uh, for the Meryl Streep's, we're going to... Um... Try and think of what Margaret Thatcher would think of the, the movies that we're talking about every week. This
1: is all yes. rat in the pocket this season. Yeah, yes. Does anybody
3: have any? Well, any I have an
1: us? actual quote from Margaret Thatcher in 1975 that might be applicable to Man Can. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is Margaret Thatcher on the former conservative uh, PM, um, who she replaced, uh, Edward Heath, who John Sessions plays in the movie. She says... I've got my teeth into him, and I'm not going to let go.
2: Wow. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> she probably would have loved Meryl Streep's character. Do, do you
3: want my Thatcherisms? I'm going to try and do it in voice. Oh, uh, please. <clears throat> yes. All right. Hello, I'm, I'm Margaret Thatcher. All right. Manchurian candidate. A woman wishing to work with family should never be a negative as it is here. That's what she'd say about mentoring Candidate. Okay. <laughs> and for Iron Lady, it's, oh dear, my ass was never that big. <laughs> Dennis wasn't nearly as tall as Jim Broadbent.
2: <laughs> That's nice. Margaret Thatcher for you, everybody. Okay. Oh, yeah. Or maybe like, uh, I'm burning in hell with Ronald Reagan. <laughs>
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs> On that note.
3: <laughs> yep. All right. We I lost all the Reagan man. fans and all the Thatcher fans. Uh um, Yep. The dog didn't die from throwing up in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> and that is a normal reaction,
1: really, to our podcast. Yeah. That's the real reason you shouldn't be driving or running while you listen to this podcast, <laughs> is it does. <laughs> but if you ever do accidentally drink Potential Poison, the CDC or whoever you call the poison hotline will recommend listening to this podcast.
2: <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, uh, okay, so
3: we're we're doing another Streep next week.
1: Yeah, That's I believe the, the redo, which is ooh adaptation and Bridges of Madison County.
2: So freaking pumped! I love Bridges of and Madison, uh, Shannon,
1: County Shannon. Shannon read the <laughs> the Bridges book, right? I believe that and Orchid Thief. We'll
3: find out. Nice. Oh shit! Wow, sounds good. Okay. Do we have anything else to say? Social media. Uh, All the links are on the show notes.
2: Yep. Listen to this wherever you're listening to it right now. Thanks
3: to Weird Eye for the theme song. Yep.
2: Yay. Uh,
0: Uh, Thanks to
3: Jack for all the engineering. Yes. Thanks to me for paying for everything.
1: Yeah. um, My card got declined. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's not a good time to bring this up. We'll we'll keep going. Close this out.
2: (laughs) Uh, Alright Yeah I Things guess out. that's it Bridges of uh, Florida
3: Next week Woo
1: right. We're all the men Anymore <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs>